Good morning. I too want to greet you in Jesus' precious name. The title of the message this morning is Looking Unto Jesus. And you may think, well, isn't that what we did just not long ago with having communion? We were looking unto Jesus. And yes, we did. But I think it's good for us to take the time each day to look unto Jesus and to consider what he would have for us that day and the way that we should respond to the situations that we face. This phrase is taken from Hebrews 12, verse 2, and it's a very familiar verse. Probably most of you can quote it by memory. And there is quite a bit of truths found in this verse and things that um, I have been blessed by as I looked at this verse. So if you would like, you can turn there, or since it's so familiar, you might be able to just um, think about it as we, as I read it. But Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so here we are encouraged to look unto Jesus, to have our focus on him. And that's one of the things I want us to think about this morning, that our focus would be on Christ, looking unto Jesus. If we look at the verse just prior to that, it's talking about a race. And it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with a great, with so great a cloud of witness, witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the wraith race, sorry, that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So as we are in this race, as we are in this spiritual race, our focus needs to be on that end goal, where we are headed. When a person is planning to run a race, he doesn't wait until the day of the race to prepare, does he? I believe some of y'all are preparing for a race. And it takes effort. It takes practice. It takes training. I have a friend that has been racing in some endurance races. And in those races, there's a mixture of um, obstacles to cross over or under or and um, also running, sometimes swimming, various things. It's not just a, a running race. And he takes time to practice different ways so that he can build his endurance, so he can run and finish. Is all this practice enjoyable? All this training enjoyable? Some of it may be, but a lot of it because we have to or they have to push their bodies to strengthen them, it's not always enjoyable. But yet, there is a joy and satisfaction when completed. When one is training for a race, he has a goal in mind. And that goal of winning is what helps to keep him focused and dedicated during that practice. So as we think about running a spiritual race, think some of the same applications definitely apply. We need to put effort forth every day. We need to practice. We need to 
um, be focused on Christ, as this verse says. Looking to Jesus, who is our goal, and he should be what we are focusing on. Sometimes it's easy to look to the right, to the left, to look at the obstacles that we are facing and get distracted and take our eyes off of Jesus and focus on this situation instead. But we need to stay focused, looking to Jesus, and it is in him that we find strength to go on. As I think about looking unto Jesus, as it says here in this verse, my mind has gone to kind of two different ways to look unto Jesus so that we can run this race. And one way is, as I already have mentioned and pointed out, is that Jesus is our focus in the future, that we look to eternity and think about him being there and the time we will spend with him in eternity and what a joyous time that will be, worshiping God, the Creator. And as we think about that, we think about life after death. And just this past week, we were at a viewing And after we went through and viewed the body and visited with the family a little bit, we sat on some of the benches there and um, amongst some of the friends and and to visit and just spend some time there still. And Rylan leans over and mentions to me and he says, Dad, was he a godly person? He said, because if he was, he could be walking on the streets of gold right now. I, I I just can't imagine how that will be, he says. And that just blessed me thinking about that this little mind was thinking about eternity. There is life after death. And each of us need to take that seriously and think about that, that we need to prepare now in running this race so that we too can spend eternity with Jesus. Is that where our goal is? Is that where we are looking? We looking unto Jesus and him being our goal. I often think about the testimony of Stephen. As he was being stoned, he was facing a very difficult time in his life because of his faith and trust and his witness for God. And what do we have recorded in Acts 7, 55 and 56? It says, He, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. So Stephen had his focus correct. And as he gazed up toward heaven, the Lord was gracious enough to reveal, to allow him to see Jesus standing there at the right hand of God. And it blesses me so much as I think about that as Stephen is there suffering and could become discouraged as he looks up to heaven, he sees Jesus standing. And other places in the Bible we read of, of, sorry, did I say Stephen? He sees Jesus standing there. Other places we read of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. But Stephen says, I see the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And, And often... It makes me think about when we're cheering someone on, don't we sometimes get to our feet? We just want to encourage them. And and I believe that's what Jesus was doing for Stephen here as he was going through this difficult time, being stoned, yet 
he was encouraged as he looked unto Jesus. Another way that I think about as I'm looking unto Jesus is that we can look at his life and the way that he lived and the faithfulness that he was in being obedient to his father. And we can learn so much from Jesus' life in looking at his example. And this verse goes on to mention something about that, and it's kind of where I want our our focus to also go this morning. It says that we need to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The cross was a difficult thing that Jesus was getting ready to face. Was there joy in that? It says the joy that was set before him endured that he was willing to endure the cross or that he endured the cross. What was this joy? Can we know about this joy? And I think as we look at Jesus' example, as we look unto Jesus, we can see and maybe discover some of the joy that he had. So it's for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I don't know what all that joy was, but some things come to my mind. I believe part of that joy that Jesus was looking forward to, none of it was the cross because he he didn't desire that pain and anguish. Just because he was a son of God didn't mean that he wouldn't have pain and wouldn't experience this difficult and, and the anguish that he was going to have on the cross. In fact, he cries out to his father in, in, in Matthew 26, 39, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But he finishes in a very beautiful way, saying, Not my will, but thine be done. So he, he didn't desire, it wasn't, that wasn't bringing him joy thinking about going to the cross, but there was something else that was bringing him joy. And it allowed him to look past the cross so that he could endure the cross as he thought about that joy, I believe. And I believe part of that joy was knowing that he was fulfilling the will of his father. In John 4.34, Jesus said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And I think maybe all of us kind of know the blessing and the joy that we receive when we're obedient and do the will or do what we are asked to do. Maybe there's been a time in your life when God asked you to do something that was very difficult and you really didn't want to do it. And yet in your desire to be obedient to God, you obeyed, you did what he asked. And as you look back on that situation now, can you find joy? Can you see that it actually was joy? Did you experience joy in that time? Even though beforehand and as you thought about it, you didn't think it would be joyful. You didn't really want to do it. I believe obedience brings joy. And I believe that's part of the joy that Jesus was thinking about and knew he would enjoy as he was obedient to God and went to the cross. Another thing that I believe that brought him joy 
and helped him to look past the cross was knowing that his shedding of blood would bring salvation to the sinful world, freeing men from the bondage of sin. In this verse, it mentions that he is the author and finisher of our faith. This spiritual race is begun under Jesus' direction because our faith is only made possible because of his work on the cross. And he is the finisher because he is the one who will give the award to those who are faithful unto death. So it is only through his shedding of blood. Jesus was was before the world was created. He knew what the world was like before sin entered the world. And I believe it gave him joy thinking about the relationship that mankind could have with God if he willingly gave up his life. So again, looking past the cross, thinking about these things, I believe is the joy that Jesus was looking forward to. Jesus' prayer to his father in John 17 reflects this desire that he had for us to have a closer relationship with God. In John 17, 11, it says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. So his desire was that his disciples, and I also believe the believers that would be faithful, would be one, would have a relationship with God. And and he knew that him giving his life, going to the cross, shedding his blood, would allow us to have that relationship. And that brought him joy and allowed him to endure, helped him to endure the cross. I also believe that it gave Jesus joy knowing he was completing his work here on earth and knowing that he had a place reserved in heaven for him at the right hand of his Father, where he will continue and is continuing to make intercession for us. And just like the end of this verse says, that he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I believe Jesus could think ahead and knew that's where he would be if he was faithful and and went through and endured this cross. My desire this morning is that we, too, could know this joy that comes from Christ Jesus. The joy that Stephen had as he endured being stoned to death and then allow that joy to help us through any trial or difficulty we face. And so I had to think, as we look unto Jesus... We face many different things throughout life. Each day, we face situations that we need to work through. Some are very small, and some can be larger. But if our focus is on Christ, and our joy is in Christ, then no matter what we face, we can work through those things and respond correctly to those situations, just as Jesus did as he was asked to go to the cross. John 15, 11. 
Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. That's Jesus' desire for each of us, that we would have that joy in our relationship, the relationship that we have with him, so that as we endure trials, as we endure things in this life, we can look past those things and continue to look at Christ, looking unto Jesus, and be able to respond correctly to the situation. Do you know that joy that only comes through Christ? Have you experienced it? It is a joy that we have when we have a relationship with him, but he needs to be our Lord and our master if we want to experience this joy. I'm not a very good storyteller, but sometimes a story helps us to visualize and understand what the speaker is is trying to get across, the point that he is trying to get across. And so as I was meditating on this message, my mind went to a story that my mom read to us years ago as a child, and I've never, I've never forgotten it. And it's left an impression on my life. So I was thinking about that story, and I, and I asked if I could borrow the book from my parents so that I could, could read part of it here this morning. And when I found the story in the book, it was a little longer than I remembered, so I'm going to cut out for, uh, a portion of it. But in this story, we can, or we will be reminded of no matter what trial we face, whether it's a big trial or a small trial, we can respond correctly or we can decide to respond incorrectly depending where our focus is. If our focus gets so focused on the trial that we're in, we easily respond incorrectly and lash out and do or say the wrong things. But if our focus can stay in Christ, no matter what the situation is, then we can respond the way Christ wants us to. The title of the story is the first settler story. And it's kind of written in a poem form, and I'm going to just break in partway through. It's of this young couple that moves west, and they set up a homestead. They have to clear out a bunch of trees so they can set up a homestead. And they're trying to just make do the best they can with what they had. And life wasn't very easy for them. It was quite difficult. But they were a couple that were committed to each other. And, and the wife helped out where she could and did all that she could. She kept a neat house and, and, um, and so on. And the husband went off. And I'm not sure what his work was, but he, he took an axe with him and worked in the woods. I'm not sure what he was doing, what all he did. And I can get a little emotional when I read it, so pardon me. I'll try to do my best not to. But it says that one night when I came home unusual late, too hungry and too tired to feel first rate, her supper struck me wrong, though I'll allow. She hadn't much to strike with anyhow. And when I went to milk the cows and found they'd wandered from their usual feeding ground and maybe left a few long mouths behind them, which I must copy if I meant to find them, flash, quick, the stay chains of my temper broke, and in a trice these hot words 
I had spoke. You ought to have kept the animals in view and drove them in. You'd nothing else to do. The, the heft of all our life on me must fall, and you just lie around and let me do it all. That speech, it hadn't been gone half a minute before I saw the cold black poison in it, and I'd have given all I had and more to have only safely got it back indoor. I'm not what most folks call well-to-do, you'd call. I, I feel today as if I'd give it all. Provided I through 50 years might reach and kill and bury that half-minute speech. She handed back no words, as I could hear. She didn't frown, she didn't shed a tear. Half proud, half crushed, she stood and looked me o'er, like someone she had never seen before. But such a sudden anguish lit surprise I never viewed before in human eyes. And so they go to bed, and, and the next morning he gets ready for work, and he leaves and, and doesn't say their normal goodbye. So with a short goodbye, I shut the door and left her as I never had before. But when at noon my lunch I came to eat, put up by her so delicately neat, choicier somewhat than yesterday's had been, and some fresh sweet-eyed pansies she put in. Tender and pleasant thoughts, I knew they meant. It seemed as if with me her kiss she'd sent. Then I became once more her humble lover and said, Tonight I'll ask forgiveness of her. I went home overly early on that eve. And he had kind of thought up that there'd be a thunderstorm, so he had to get home. So he left early. Half out of breath, the cabin door I swung with tender heart words trembling on my tongue but all within looked desolate and bare. My house had lost its soul, she was not there. A penciled note was on the table spread, and these are something like the words it said. The cows have strayed away again, I fear. I watched them pretty close, don't scold me, dear. And where they are, I think I nearly know. I heard the bell not very long ago. I've hunted for them all the afternoon. I'll try once more. I think I'll find them soon. Dear, if a burden I've been to you and haven't helped you as I ought to do, let old time memories my forgiveness plead. I've tried to do my best. I have indeed. Scarce could I, did I give this letter sight and tongue. Some swift blown raindrops to the window clung. And from the clouds a rough, deep growl proceeded. My thunderstorm had come, now t'wasn't needed. And he goes on, saying that a huge storm came that night. And he took his dog and he tried to see if he could find his wife. And there was so much rain they weren't able to follow the trail far. He returned several times to the cabin and she wasn't there. We'll just cut in right there. Three times again, my cabin home I found, half hoping she might be there, safe and sound. But each time t'was an unveiling care. My house had lost its soul. She was not there. When climbing the wet trees, the next morning sun laughed at the rain that the night had done. Bleeding and drenched by toil and sorrow bent back to what used to be my home I went. But as I neared our little clearing ground, listen. I heard the cowbell's tinkling sound. 
The cabin door was just a bit ajar. It gleamed upon my glad eyes like a star. Brave heart, I said, for such a fragile form, she made them guide her homeward through the storm. Such pangs of joy I never felt before. You've come, I shouted, and rushed through the door. Yes, she'd come, and gone again. She lay with all her young life crushed and wrenched away. Lay the heart ruins of our home among, not far from where I killed her with my tongue. The raindrops glittered mid her hair's long strands. The forest thorns had torn her feet and hands. And midst the tears, brave tears that one could trace, upon the pale but sweet resolute face, I once again the mournful words could read, I've tried to do my best. I have indeed. And now I'm mostly done. And he goes on and encourages the reader to be very careful with the words that he says. And we can say, well, that speaks more to being careful with our, with our speech and guarding our tongue. And, and yes, it does. But he was in a situation there that caused him to respond in the wrong way. Or he allowed it to cause him to respond in the wrong way. But I think if we are looking unto Jesus, if our focus is on Jesus, and we remember what he was willing to do for us, the joy that he had before he went to the cross because he was thinking about each one of us, can't we do the same? And keep that in our mind. And allow that to help us to respond to a little situation like that. It was just the cows that were out. Was it really that big of deal and yet we allow those little things sometimes to to put little little things between us we respond wrong at times and then later we wish we had it you know there were several things that he could have done different yes he couldn't take the words back first of all he wouldn't had to say them but he couldn't take them back but he had opportunity to ask for forgiveness and while that won't take those words away it does help a lot if we're willing to say sorry. And after the day, throughout the day, as he thought about it, he was willing to. He wanted to say sorry when he got home and he didn't. Have Let's take the time that we have to respond, to ask for forgiveness when we need to, when we don't respond correctly to certain situations. So I thought about that. I didn't really want to leave you all with just that story. It's kind of sad. And I was thinking about what are some stories, some accounts where people kept their focus on the Lord, looking unto Jesus and to the joy that he gives and allowed them to respond correctly in a difficult situation. And we already talked about Stephen. He did that. He kept his focus on God. And, and there's other martyrs like that. And so I went to another book. And as I opened it up, I opened it up to some letters. And there was a couple, and maybe most of you know this story, a husband and wife that were in prison because of their faithfulness in serving God and witnessing for them, for him. And his name was Jerome, and his wife's name was Lishkin. And both of them were in prison, and I think they were maybe in the same prison. But they had opportunities to write letters back and forth to each other because they weren't in the same cell. 
And I believe one of their mothers maybe took them, um, the letters back and forth to them. And I was just encouraged as I read through here and thought about the difficult time or difficult thing that this couple was facing and yet the encouraging words that they offered each other through this. And that's my desire that we can do in no matter what we face as we, as we go throughout life where we will face difficult times. But we have an opportunity to respond correctly and respond with words of encouragement, as this couple did, even though it was difficult. So this was taken, um, happened back in 1551. And I'm just going to read just a few short sentences from, from these letters just to encourage us today. May we respond somewhat the same as this couple did to this difficult in this difficult situation. So Jerome begins his letter to his wife in a short poem. It says, In narrow prison walls I lay, well guarded and confined, because for Christ I testified, sore troubles I did find. But it cometh from the Lord, who to me does strength afford. So he knew that his strength was going to come from the Lord so that he could endure through this difficult thing. And so he begins the rest of the letter saying grace, peace, joy, gladness, consolation, a firm faith, a good assurance together with an ardent love to God. I wish to you, my most beloved wife, may consolation. I'm skipping down through a little bit, but may consolation, gladness and joy be increased and multiplied to you, my dear wife. I earnestly pray the Lord that he will comfort you and remove from you that which is too grievous. I well know, my chosen lamb, that you are in great sorrow on my account. But lay aside all sorrow and look to Jesus, the captain and finisher of our faith. And I was just blessed as he was referring right to this same verse that we're looking at this morning, Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author or the captain and finisher of our faith. And let us henceforth walk in the righteousness and holiness as children of peace. And let us make good use of the time of grace and consider what great mercy the Lord has shown on us. And he goes on to remind her of how faithful God was as he led the children of Israel. He was there with them and helped them through each difficulty that they faced. And he continues later on, I cannot thank the Lord enough for all the great strength and power which he gives me in this distress. So was God being faithful to him? Was he able to endure? He was because his focus was on God instead of on this this situation that he was in. I perceive now that the Lord is with us, for he helps us so faithfully out of all distress. Later on, she responds and begins with grace and peace be to both of us from God the Father and the love of the Son. My beloved husband in the Lord, know that, in, that at first the time seemed very long to me, because I was not used to imprisonment and heard nothing but temptations to depart from the Lord. They said, the guards, the other people were, were tempting her to, to give up, to give up. But she continues on, thanks be to the God, the Father, who had and showed such love to us that he gave his dear son for us. May he give us such love, joy, wisdom, and such steadfast mind through Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit that we may prevail against all ravenous beasts, dragons, serpents, and all the gates of hell, 
which are now using great subtlety to seize, deceive, destroy, and seduce our souls. And later on, she shares, has the verses written here from Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Also, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Another letter she wrote, she says, I cannot thank or praise the Lord sufficiently for the great grace, the unfathomable mercy, and the great love which he has shown us, that we should be his sons and daughters if we overcome, even as he overcame. So again, their focus, her focus wasn't on the situation and how terrible it is, but it's on thanks to the Lord that he has given me the strength to make it through. He later on writes a letter to her. It's the last letter that he wrote to her before he was martyred. And just part of it here. Therefore, my most beloved in the Lord, do not complain or grieve much because he has taken me first. For he has done all for our best that I should be an example unto you and that you may follow me as violently as I through the grace of the Lord who has made us both worthy to suffer for his name, shall go before you. And it, and it goes on. But him and a, a, another fellow, Big Henry, I believe it was, um, yeah, Big Henry, they were taken to the stake, and then Jerome's wife was, um, after she had, she had been pregnant and had her baby, after she did that, then um, she was put in a bag, and drowned. And so the Lord didn't deliver them from that prison in the way that we sometimes wish that he would. But yet he was merciful to them. And as they looked to him, they found their strength and courage in Christ. They found joy in serving Christ even when they were in prison. And they were able to encourage each other through the letters that they wrote. And the letters remind me so much of, of Paul's writings and the encouragement that he sent out as he was in prison different times. He constantly wanted to encourage. So how are we doing? As we face difficult times from time to, difficult things from time to time, are we still willing to encourage? Or do we pity ourselves and think about the situation we are in and so then there is no joy left in us to share with others. You know, it's not in and of ourselves that we can do this. It's only when we have the joy of the Lord of the Lord in our hearts that we are able to, to respond to the situations correctly that we face. I invite you to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. We're talking about being in a spiritual race or battle. And Paul talks about that here. It's a very, another familiar passage. But there is, in the last verse, a familiar, or not a familiar, but an interesting thing that he shares that I think is good for each of us to remember. <clears throat> First Corinthians 9.24 through 27. Know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. 
And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself shall be a castaway. The New King James Version, verse 27 says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. It's a little bit easier for me to understand, and, and I've been reading it in the, in the NIV, and there he it, it's written, I beat my body and make it my slave. So as we are running this race, and as we are looking unto Jesus, how disciplined are we? It's our responsibility to discipline this body. It's my responsibility to make this body behave and to respond the way that it should when I face a difficult situation. And that just really impressed me and blessed me that no matter what I face, no matter what comes my way, with the Lord's help, if I'm willing to discipline, if I'm willing to be fully surrendered to the Lord and have and know that joy that I can find and have in Him, then I too, with His help, can respond the way that He wants me to respond. So may the Lord bless you this week and throughout the coming weeks as, as you go through life. May we remember to look unto Jesus and to remember and to know the joy that he gives so that we can be faithful and endure through whatever situation we face. May the Lord bless you. We have a song.